Mr. Jones. Yes, madame. It is episode 241. Here we are in the basement recording again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to uh, talk about our weekly catch up? No. <laughs> and the reason for that is, truth be told, we're recording this episode 10 minutes after the last episode finished recording. It's true. I ran upstairs, changed my clothes, changed my hair. I changed and I'm my back. shirt and we're back. Yeah. Yes. The reason for that is, we're going to go stay with my sister. What? Here's the thing. Working from home affords you beautiful opportunities. Which we really haven't taken advantage of. We have not. So yeah. this week I called our boss, Jeff Dollar, yeah. and just said, hey, Jeff, do you care if I work from home? Do you care if the home that I'm working from next week is in North Carolina and not in Tennessee? And he's like, no, I don't mind at all. So next week we're going to be away. We're going to go stay with my sweet sister, Karis, and her husband, Ben, and their kids so that our kids and their kids, the cousins, cousins, can have fun together. We can work remotely from anywhere. And so we shall. Except she doesn't have a podcast studio in her basement, which is really weird. Well, the thing is, she really doesn't have a basement. So that's really the... Bit of an oversight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because we didn't want to be apart from you, we are pre-recording this to come out in a couple of weeks. Just trying to be proactive and thinking ahead. That's right. We're thinking of you. So really nothing has happened in the last 10 minutes? No, nothing. Well, one thing that's... Uh, an update, if we're doing a weekly update, even though it's only been 10 minutes since our last <laughs> recording, is in between when we change our shirts and change our topics, um, you just informed me that uh, the SOSL deadline for the school has been extended to June 30th. Yeah, we're going to extend it to the 30th because uh, normally we open apps way earlier than we were able to this year, but because we had to rebuild the entire back end and a new website and all that kind of stuff, uh, we opened apps uh, much later right. than we expected to, and so we're actually gonna uh, push that back as far as we can. We can't we can't extend past the thirtieth, but we're gonna extend it to the thirtieth. So that means if you were praying for a sign from God, and you maybe maybe you listened to last week's episode and were like, oh my gosh, the fifteenth is coming up so quickly, I don't have enough time to get my references, etc. And this is a gift from God. You've just got your time extended to June thirtieth for the deadline. That's right. You're welcome. And yeah. the school, um, <laughs> eight month school. Yep. It is a school for life, but you learn all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. You learn about dream interpretation, how to partner with the Holy Spirit, yeah. how to heal the voice of God, how to heal the sick. Prophetic evangelism. You learn super practical things like how to manage your finances from a kingdom perspective, how to have boundaries, how to... Basically, if you like the content we cover on the podcast... You'll love it. You're going to love the school. Yeah. Plus, you get amazing teachers and speakers and prophets from all over the world coming in and teaching. Yeah. And, and it's and, and the content is the same whether you're online or in person and we will have both. So you can you can either join us online or you can join us in person. In person. Mm-hmm. You go to gracecenter.us slash school to yep. find out all about that. And so I hope to see you on the school. Yeah. Either online or in person. That'd be good. Okay. Because we have no weekly catch up, yes. I have put a great listener's question, but we're not gonna get to that because our topic for this week, is all about the kindness of God. Okay. Now, it shouldn't surprise you, but we've talked about the kindness of God before. Yes, On episode 176, and if you go to the show notes, I'll put a link to a message I preached at Grace Center on the kindness of God. Basically, every topic we teach about is probably bathed in the kindness of God because it's such an important revelation for us. If anybody has got a right to talk about the kindness of God, it would be Graham Cook. 
Okay. In fact, Graham was the first person I ever heard talk about the kindness of God. Hmm. Which, you know, I grew up in an environment where you're talking about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right, right? okay. I heard you talk about the father heart of God, which, of course, encapsulates all the loving nature of, of a father. But I heard Graham before I ever met you or heard you. And I remember before I heard Graham speak specifically about the kindness of God, which if you've never heard Graham Cook, I'd highly encourage you to go look him up on YouTube. Or I mean, it's just a phenomenal teacher, prophet, and a friend of God. And his lasting revelation and, and major contribution to the body of Christ is the kindness of God. I remember hearing him about talk about that, and I thought it was really sweet, but it didn't really come home until I... And I don't think I ever heard him. I think I only read about this. He gave a prophetic word years ago. I want to say before the year 2000. And he was in, I think it was Australia. And he prophesied, his prophecy was called the favorable year of the Lord out of Isaiah 61. Now, I was familiar with Isaiah 61, but I was never familiar with his take on the favorable year of the Lord. And so he gives this prophecy. I wasn't even there. I read about it on the Elijah list. In fact, if you go to the Elijah list, you can still search for the favorable year of the Lord, and that will come Graham's word and the transcription. But I remember listening to this prophetic word. That wasn't to me. It was to this church in Australia, even though I wasn't there, and I'm listening to it. And I'm, I had this, it's only happened to me a couple of times where I was like, he is speaking directly to me. Like, this word is to me. I hope I hope it's okay to steal somebody else's prophetic word. And I I transcribed that word. I, I mean, I didn't need to transcribe. I just copied and pasted it and cleaned up. I kept it. I prayed it through. And I, I, I seem to remember listening to it towards the tail end of the year. And then in January, I'd always sit with the Lord and I always get a word for the year. And I remember my word for that year was the Lord was talking to me about the kindness, the goodness, and the favor of God. And the Lord saying, Alan, all I've decreed for you and your family for the rest of your life, forget a favorable year, for the rest of your life, all I have for you is kindness, goodness, and mercy, a double yeah. portion of each. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, that's going to be great. And not realizing I am not well versed in what that means. Like right. I am unacquainted. I was just beginning to get used to the fact that God is loving and as far as he says from his, from west, that's how far our sins are removed from us. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was really uncomfortable because I was still really comfortable with if I perform well, you love me. And if I don't, then I understand why you're angry with me. Right. I, I wasn't yet well entrenched in the Father's heart, the revelation of the Father's love. I hadn't met you. I hadn't dealt with any ungodly beliefs. And here I have the Lord speaking to me saying, all I have for you is the kindness, the goodness, and, the, and, 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 uh, and favor. And I was just thinking, wow, that's amazing. So I have this dream. This is like the the two, the kind of the three-pronged attack of the kindness of God would be Graham's word, mm-hmm. the Lord's word to me, and this dream. And I have this dream. And in the dream, which I think I've told before, is I go to a, a hotel in Glasgow. It was probably the nicest hotel I knew. I think it was the Hilton. I think it was the Hilton. And I check in at the hotel, and I'm uncharacteristically meek at check-in. And I said, you know, I've got a room reserved. And I got this room on, like, Expedia. I got it dirt cheap, like, in a dream. I paid. Oh, like, this is in a dream in that a you're dream. going to this. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I got you. you know, so normally what would happen is when I go to a hotel, I would just be bold and ask for an upgrade. That's the way I'd always do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know, I've experienced yeah. that. Yeah. In the dream, I'm incredibly meek, and I've got, I know I don't really deserve to stay at this hotel. 
and I've I've bought like a cheap ticket on Groupon or something like that. And so I go in and I just say, hey, do you, know, do you have a room for me? And she said, yes, Mr. Jones. And she hands me a key, but it's kind of like a gas station bathroom in that it's a key attached to a huge rock. And I think this is so weird. And she said, if you just go to the elevator and you put the key in, it'll take you straight to your room. And so I go over to the elevator and I think this is weird because I don't know the room number or anything. And I go in and I, and I put the key in the elevator. I'm realizing it's a glass elevator, an all glass elevator. And it takes me to the penthouse of the hotel. And I step out of this elevator and, and I'm thinking there must be some mistake. And the penthouse is the entire floor of the whole hotel. And every room that I go in, it, the room is tailor-made for me. So I go in a one room, and it's, it's extravagant. There's not one Steinway grand piano. There is a room full of Steinway grand pianos. And I walk into another room, and there's not just like one Apple product. The room is filled with Apple products, and so on and so forth. Every room I go into... There's something in there that's characteristic of what I love. I love Steinway Grand Pianos. I love Apple products. You know, and so anyway, I'm I am I am unable to stand because I'm bowled over by the sheer extravagance and elaborate and, and just I'm like worn out by the the lavishness of and I don't get it because I didn't pay for this. I don't deserve this. And and here I am, and what I notice is all of the walls of this entire uh, floor are all glass. I can see out. I can see out over the, the landscape of Glasgow. Glasgow wasn't a city I lived in. I lived in Edinburgh. I'm thinking this is unbelievable. Like I need to share this with somebody. Like it's is is criminal that I get to absorb all of this stuff. You know, this food. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And so over in the corner of the room, there's a red phone, like a bat phone. You know, like a like, oh, that sounds exciting. And so I call a family member, and I call the family member to tell them about what's happened, and I'm calling them to tell them a because it's extravagant, but also to invite them into it to experience it with me. But when I call this family member, they are not happy. They are sour and they are bitter, and they try and talk me out of what's happened. And I. I come out of the dream and i'm like lord that is such a crazy dream like what does uh, feel significant what does the dream mean and the lord just starts speaking to me about the dream and saying alan that's what the rest of your life is going to be like now at this point i'm a school teacher in edinburgh like i don't have any of the revelation of the stuff i have now but the lord's just like alan if you will just follow me in pursuit in meekness you will find that i will promote you and if you live transparently before me, you'll see an acceleration on your life. And so, okay, humility, checking in, the the rock. Mm-hmm. Christ talks about the rock. You know, David talks about, you know, the rock. The Lord lift me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock that mm-hmm. is higher than I. Uh, it was humility. I got taken to the, you know, the penthouse, which is, you know, a favor. I was in a glass elevator, which is transparency. The whole room was glass. You know, I will you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And so I was, you know, the Lord's just unpacking this. And I said, Lord, what was the deal with the red phone? And the Lord was like, ah, not everybody will respond kindly to the favor that's upon your life. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why people would be upset with favor. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't understand that because I didn't understand how favor operated. So those three things, the dream, the word from the Lord, the word from Graham Cook, started me on this journey to understanding what, kindness the kindness of god was what the favor of god was the goodness of god i I, I had no paradigm for it 
And I would say I have been a slow student in these things because of all the obstacles to me. Mm. Uh, and the obstacles would largely be my mindset and my upbringing. You know, and I've talked about this a lot. Like, if you grow up in a household or a culture that doesn't value abundance, mm. but values measure, that values limitation, abundance can only be seen as wasteful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You see this in the scriptures where the woman breaks open the, the, the bottle of Nord, which is worth a year's salary. So $90,000 is the median salary in, in Williamson County. Yeah. She takes perfume, it's $90,000, pours it over Jesus' feet. And Judas said that money, that was a waste, that money could have been given to the poor. Yeah. If you grow up without an, a value for the kindness of God and the way he deals with us, then it's a highly offensive. Yes, that makes sense. And that was my problem. You see, and also my mistake that I made was I assumed that the kindness of God meant I'll never face trials or difficulties. Right, which that is not what it means at all. No. Yes. No, not at all. It means he'll accompany you through all the trials and all the difficulties. Yeah. And th in the midst of them, you will still know his kindness and you in will still know his goodness. In the midst of some of the hardest his... things I've ever been through. Yes. He's right there going, hi. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, he, he's never left my side. He's always optimistic. Always incredibly passionate and always full of adventure. So now, before I unpack that any further, I just don't want this to be a giant monologue where I talk about the kindness of God. I want to pause and say that was my foundation that I started to learn about the kindness of God. And the learning that I did was not book knowledge that came, but it was uh, experiential knowledge yeah. where the Lord had to kind of rewrite my expectations of what walking with a kind God is like. Before I jump into all of that, yeah, what what talk to me about what you were thinking about? Oh, I've been thinking about a bunch of different things. I've been thinking about you know goodness and kindness are in the Holy Spirit's job description. You know, Galatians five twenty two. Mm -hmm. It it is His DNA. It is God's DNA to be kind, to be good. And I I have a hard time separating those two things. Oh yeah, His goodness and His kindness. I think they're they run together. So, well, I was also thinking today, just, you know, as I was driving home from my last meeting before we were going to record, I was thinking about something a friend of ours said in um, 2014, which we have, we have a friend named uh, Ben Farley and he's gone home to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember we were visiting him in hospice and just talking to him about how are you doing and whatever. And, you know, there was there can be a temptation, particularly when you're terminally ill or I mean, it can take much less than that. He's really. days away from leaving this earth. Yes. And I remember him saying, AJ, I will not move away from uh, the goodness and the kindness of mm -hmm. God. I just will not allow my perspective to move away from he is good and he is kind no matter what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it made me sort of think of, um, I had a couple different people check in with me uh, at the end of last year after being sick so much. And a couple different people like asked me like, how did you navigate that? Were you mad at God? Were you disappointed with God that you got sick? Were you whatever? And it, it honestly never occurred to me to like I, I don't equate the fact that I got sick with God is no longer good and God is no longer kind because even in the midst of all that he was with me in it and mm -hmm. his plan is never steal kill destroy it's never any of those things mm -hmm. so because I know he's good because he, I know he's kind I just don't entertain thoughts that could mm -hmm. uh, lead to thinking anything different than that if that makes sense mm -hmm. so yeah 
I think about Psalm 23, mm-hmm. you know, which is all about his goodness and his nature that he, you know, he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. It's not that the, a revelation of the kindness of God excuses you from having enemies. It means he dines with you in the midst of it. And even yeah. having enemies doesn't trouble you. Yeah. And I even think about the ending, like surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the lesson that the Lord just drilled into me because I had, did you, did you, I don't know, but I used to have good days, good God days and bad God days. Like I know that God will never leave me, never forsake me because the Bible teaches me that, right? But I would have days where having God near me was like, oh, it's great. It's a mountaintop experience. And I'd have days where it was bad, you, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I'm super frustrated at this and that. And why aren't you changing this? And why have you broken through here for me? And, you know, my connection with the Lord would be up and down, largely dependent on my experience, my daily experience. Now, I'd try and combat that with, like, angering myself in the Word, but I still felt those things. Yeah. And then the Lord came along, and the Holy Spirit walked beside me and taught me how to see His redemptive nature and everything. Mm-hmm. And one of your key verses is Romans eight twenty eight, And so there's a difference between knowing Scripture and being fully persuaded by them. Mm-hmm. Knowing Scripture as, a like, a... SOS, uh, SOS life fest. Mm-hmm. I'll just quote these scriptures and then knowing the, the confidence and the truth of them. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing for me. Like when you say going up and down, I would say, yeah, I probably did that a little bit at the beginning, probably the deeper that I went into the revelation of the father heart of God, the less, the less up and down and the, the more it started to smooth out. But I, I would say the revelation of the father heart of God is the revelation of the kindness of God. Oh, for sure. So, yes, sure. you're saying the yes. more I got acquainted with the revelation of the kindness yeah. and the goodness of God. Yeah, because to begin with, really, by the skin of my teeth, I'm hanging on to Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. For we know that God causes all things, you know. I have to believe you're going to do something good because I love you, and I don't know how you turn this horrible situation around. And I would also hang on to that verse about, uh, I can't remember the, you might remember the uh, address of it, but it's a bruised, reed he would not break and a smoldering wick he would not snuff out and i just because i remember so many times feeling like oh i'm there like i'm bruised and smoldering over here Mm -hmm. but your word says Mm -hmm. you know you're going to you're 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 not going to bring destruction but you're actually going to bring restoration and so i have to hold on to that even though none of my circumstances right now look like that's the truth Mm -hmm. um but certainly, yeah, the more that I pressed into the Father Heart of God revelation, more into his goodness, into his kindness, uh, the less the less of a wave there was and the more of a just like, okay, I don't know how to explain this thing that's happening over here that feels very uncomfortable or very hard or very whatever, but he is good. And somehow, at some point, I will see his goodness in this. And I think also the more situations that I went through where I saw him Romans 8:28 where I can look back and go that was horrible but God mm-hmm. did this you know and then this was so so difficult and I didn't know how he was going to break through but he did then you start to face things differently because you have this track record of he did it here he did it here he did it here he will do it here right so yeah I remember two key events very early on when the Lord was trying to teach me about the kindness and the goodness of God. What are you... That was my stomach that just growled really loud. Oh, Sorry. I thought it was an earthquake. No, no. Just okay. my stomach. Phew. It's all good. Okay. We're safe. Two key events that really knocked me on my butt because it wasn't in my paradigm to think about the way God was treating me. 
the first came very shortly after I got that revelation. You know, the word that he gave me at the start of the year is like, all I have for you is goodness and kindness. Mm-hmm. Is around this time in the UK, British Gas was had a monopoly on who provided gas to your house. And then something changed and, and there were lots of companies sprang up and could offer you gas to your house. And so uh, unscrupulous companies would just sign up new customers to steal you away from British Gas. And so that happened to me. I came home one day, and even though I hadn't asked to be switched to a different gas company, some unscrupulous person had signed me away from British Gas and signed me up for another company. And so I come home to a gas bill for something I didn't want. More to the point, I'm really angry that this has happened. And so I get on the phone with them, and I just give them what for. I just like go up one, down, one side of the person, come down the other side, and just... And in the middle, as I'm reaming this person out, you know, I want to speak to your supervisor, blah, blah, blah. I feel like the Holy Spirit just goes whoop, away from me. And I think, well, that, like, that's weird. So I finish my conversation berating this poor person on a, you know, 1-800 number. Um, or an 0800 number, because it was in Britain. <laughs> and as I, as I finish the call, I go to look for the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, where did you go? And the Holy Spirit, you know, didn't leave in a huff. He was just off to the side and quiet. And when I went to speak to him, he just said, Alan, courtesy is the hallmark of the kingdom of heaven. Like, I can't bear witness to that. Like, I can't, I, you know, I can't bear witness to the way you were speaking to that person. So rather than listen to what he's trying to teach me, I protest and defend myself. But Lord, you don't understand this happened, that happened, the next thing. And the Lord's like, have you forgotten already the promise? That like all this is for the rest of your life is a season of double portions. That's all it is. It's goodness and mercy and kindness. Like, why did you feel like you had to rush and defend yourself in it? And in the process, leave your identity. Because, you know, you weren't behaving like an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Right. You were in your flesh yelling at this person, trying to manage it yourself. And I had this revelation of like, because I've never had someone take up my cause. Like, Mm -hmm. it never even occurred to me to come to you about that. Mm -hmm. And, And so I remember the Lord really carefully speaking to me saying, my kindness is always available to you, but sometimes it's apparent and sometimes you have to go looking for it. So every situation that presents itself is an opportunity for my kindness to be on display. So I was like, okay, well, with this gas situation where I'm having to pay, you know, double gas bill and, you know, it's just an administrative mess. And the Lord's like, well, if you'd let me deal with it, you'll see that you will be blessed. I will ensure that a double portion comes out of this. So I was like, all right, Lord, I'll take my hands off and let you sort out. And what ended up happening is I didn't pay gas for several months. And I got a rebate on top of that. So there's your double portion. I didn't pay for it, and I got money back. But also around that time, I started getting double portions of things. I remember I was a member of one of my favorite restaurants in the UK, Pizza Express. I was one of <gasps> the their members. The dough balls. Oh. And I remember if you signed up, you remember, that, I don't know, they gave you a gift on your birthday. Well, when it came to my birthday, they sent me two of them. And <gasps> I called them and said, hey, you know, I got two of these in the mail. They were like, well, enjoy. So there's lots of these little tokens about a double portion. That was the first thing. Like, I didn't understand. Like, God had to teach me. If it matters to you, it matters to me. Mm. And I I will take care of you. And the second thing that that taught me was, if the kindness of God is not visible, it's not because it's not there. It's it's an invitation to go search for it. You know, the Mm -hmm. glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of kings to search a matter out. Mm -hmm. Many years later, 
I'm in Japan. I think we talked about this. Me and you and John and Carol and Roland Baker doing a conference in Japan. And in the middle of that conference, you remember my laptop dies. Mm-hmm. And my the story of how I got this laptop was a real treat and a treasure. It was the goodness of God and the kindness right. of God. Yeah. So here's this laptop die. My whole uh, livelihood depends on this laptop. And we don't have the money to buy a new Apple laptop. No. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. So I haven't learned my lesson. I just think it's mine to fix. It's mine to solve. I'm going to be a good steward. And I just start like strategizing how I'm going to fix this. And I start looking at Craigslist and how I can buy secondhand this or trade this for that and trade that. And and again, actually, the Lord doesn't speak to me about it at all. The Lord's just letting me panic and distress and just trying to fix it all myself. And, you know, I, I, I do it myself. I do it myself. I do it myself. What stage of sonship is that? Padian. All right. Yeah. I, I am Maybe fleshing out. Or, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not. I am not, I've forgotten to look for the kindness of God because to be honest, the kindness of God is that he gave me a laptop. Now it's broken. You know, like you're... Right. You're not going to do it again. I mean, you gave me a laptop once already. Uh, You know, know, you took care of this and, you know. Well, that's around the time that somebody sends us a check for $20,000 to buy a new computer. Yeah. And I'm so filled with toxic shame. I haven't told anybody that I need this computer. My laptop's broken, rather. And sent me a check for $20,000. And so I called this person and said, what? you just sent me a check for $20,000. And they're like, yeah, we just want to invest in you. Go buy a new computer. And I'm thinking, like, a new computer costs, like, $2,500. Right. So I think I'm going to reverse tithe on this. I'll show God. As in, I'm going to give away 90% and only spend 10%. Mm-hmm. No sooner had I had that thought, the Lord, I don't want to say visited me, but spoke very clearly to me. And with soberness, not anger, but with soberness, he was like, Alan, I'm trying to teach you something. You know, like that's not what the money, the money isn't for you to give away. The money is for you to buy a laptop. And so I remember the Lord instructing us to go to the Apple store Mm -hmm. and buy. It wasn't just what we needed, but it was more than enough. Those two events. Now, I've got so many events in our history of the kindness of God showing up in tangible ways. Yes. But those two things were bedrock in that they shook my thinking and prepared me for new thinking. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to you teach about uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And one day you said, well, it really should be called the parable of the prodigal father mm-hmm. because prodigal talks about the excessive nature. Extravagance. And the father's, yeah. in that story, his extravagance in meeting and covering his son's errors mm-hmm. would be offensive to the hearers of the day. Sure. And I would say that largely the kindness of God is such an offensive theology. And the kindness of God really isn't based on our performance, which is also offensive. very offensive if you are performance-oriented. Because I'm performing in order to earn. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to be watching that everybody else is not earning if they have not performed. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes extremely offensive that he is good and he is kind regardless of performance. Well, let's go back to my red phone in the dream. Yes. If you live in a culture where everybody believes what you just described, that we need to earn mm-hmm. rewards from God, mm-hmm. then favor is highly offensive. Yes. God's kindness is highly offensive, in part because we're confused and we believe that their favor, their kindness that God just showed them, came at the expense of me receiving kindness and favor right. from God. Right, like there's a limited supply. There's a limited supply, and yeah. how unfair is it that they got all that, and they're not even a good Christian. Right, and the truth, the, the gospel, the good Just news throw of some Jesus. Judgment in there too. Okay. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Right, but that's what's running our internal life. Right, is that God is kinder than we could possibly imagine. Yes, He's as good as He is great. 
and he's constantly planning our good. Mm -hmm. He can do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's so excessive in his kindness. Like, the gospel message is so scandalous. Yeah. That we are forgiven, that we swap places with Jesus as this perfect life, and we get, his, you know, we get his sinless, spotless record, and he pays for our sin. That's where entrance to the kingdom begins. And at some point, I learned, well, that's enough, and, and you shouldn't expect any more. And yet, what the Lord's taking me in this journey for the last 20, I don't know, 25 years is that, and I don't mean to demean the work of the cross, that is the ground floor of the kingdom. That's the entrance fee to the kingdom of God. And as Paul said, now that, you know, having given us his only son, now mm-hmm. will he not also give us so much more? Yes. And the so much more is like, you know, I am I am constantly in a state of, uh, I feel punch drunk with gratitude. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Lord, oh, come on. Like, you've got to be kidding. Like, how good are you? Are there any limits to your goodness? Because Day by day, week by week, month by month, I'm constantly being saturated by the goodness and the kindness of God. E- even this last year, which is arguably one of the hardest years that we've walked through, mm-hmm. still the extravagance and the kindness and the goodness of God. It's like one area over here is going really tough. Ah, I'll over, you know, I'll just overwhelm you. Here's a simple example. This might seem pithy and trite and silly, but it's a genuine thing. I'm minding my own business last week. And Bill and Karen Zofel, who run our food pantry. Yes. All right, we have a food pantry at Grey Center. And Bill and Karen are constantly, I mean, these guys are just genius stewards. Amazing. Working with all our local supermarkets, and they just get all the excess food, and then we give it away to our community. And sometimes we get way more food than we've got place to storage, and they're, they're known in our community as being food pushers. Well, out of the blue, the best kind of food the pushers. best kind of food yeah. pushers. He emails me and says, "Hey, we got some Scottish cheese," and I'm I'm thinking, "Oh, that's sweet." He thinks because I'm Scottish, I'm missing Scottish fare, and I'm not. But I do love a good cheese, and well, you know, British cheese, UK cheese is very good. So much better right. than here. So I'm like, oh, that's so kind of you to think of it. And mm-hmm. I just think they're, you know, they're just being, you know, sweet. And so they leave it in the fridge. You go pick it up because you happen to be at church, and you bring it home. And it's three packages. Four. Four packages mm-hmm. of some of the most delicious cheese oh, I've so ever good. eaten in my life. I didn't even know I wanted this cheese. And the Lord going, oh, you know what you need? You need an upgrade in some cheese. You need, you need cheese You've upgrade. had a rough week. You know what would yeah. be good is some cheese. Puts it on their heart. And we, you know, now that sounds silly and ridiculous, but it's a token of the Lord's affection mm. that is replete through our life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And not everybody will respond kindly to it. Yeah. So how do you uh how 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 do you if you're in a season of difficulty yes. keep your focus on the goodness and kindness Such of God? Like what's question. some practical things? Well, initially it was the promise of God's word. Like I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. You know, Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you. I mean, the Bible is littered yes. with promises. Yes. That, you know, if I'm for you, who can be against you? Right. You got to take those promises and you got to apply them to your circumstances. You have to make your circumstances bend to the truth of Scripture, not allow your circumstances to bend or outshape Scripture. Or at, at the very least, grab onto those things and and not allow 
your current circumstances to shift your perspective mm-hmm. on who he is. Well, I remember the Lord teaching me that. Like, Alan, at times in life, you're going to have to turn around and find that surely goodness and mercy have been following you all the days of your mm-hmm. life. Because you, you might be so focused on the problem that you forget, oh, oh there you, you are. You know what? We're good. Now, we're the good more, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I've got this thing licked. But yeah. initially, that was a discipline. Mm-hmm. Now it's become, I, I know, I know what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm facing a situation right now that is a, a, a personal crisis for me, where I'm like, Lord, I don't see how this is going to get. I don't see how this is n- not even get resolved. But I don't see how, uh, in the natural, what's going to happen here. Right. And yet, recently, I've got growing excitement with a father. Like I. I know, I know what you're up to. You're, yeah. I don't know how you're going to do it, and it's not my job. But I've got great confidence in your track record with me and in, mm-hmm. in my history with you that you're not only going to work this for my good. Yeah. But, and, and where that reaches is, where that reaches is, wh- what that does is no matter the outcome of this thing, which is so beyond my, I'm not in control of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I could catastrophize these outcomes, mm-hmm. now I'm like, Lord. Like it's win, 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 win. No matter what happens, you're planning this for my good. Yeah. That didn't come easy. Yeah. That's a lot of experience with the Lord of him constantly demonstrating himself faithful. Mm-hmm. And you know there's been times in that instance where I've been shaky. Yeah. But it's a constant invitation to look for the kindness and the goodness of yeah. God. Yeah. Just look in his face. Well, as you're talking about that, I have this this story to tell. Like just and this is going to seem like a random story for what we're talking about, but this is what just keeps I love your random It keeps stories. playing in my head. And and that is the the last time that we went to Disney. It's a Disney story. Okay, this story could not get better, right? It's okay. about the kindness of God and it and features Disney. Disney. Even us getting to go that time to Disney, I don't know if you remember, we had just moved homes and and uh, we literally had no finances. The kids were praying that we would get to go to Disney. We had told them, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to go to Disney. And somebody out of the blue paid for our whole family to go to Disney for a week. I remember that very well. Two days before we were supposed to be on vacation, but we were going to be on staycation. Mm -hmm. And it was just literally like we got to tell them we're going and we're leaving tomorrow. You know, it was like. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. But anyway, we go to Disney. And at the time, MJ is uh, about three and a half. And, you know, we're we're doing all the different rides and uh, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we go on the Avatar ride and it was a new ride. And I can't remember the name of it, but basically you're all in like a long skinny room and, and you're on what look kind of like motorcycles and you kind of strap into them. And uh, and then you're wearing like goggles or something, looking at a 3D screen, goggles, 3D yeah. goggles. And before you know it, you've launched, you know, off of a cliff and you're riding your dinosaur and, you know, all this, not the dinosaur, but whatever those things are. Yeah. Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. So... <laughs> Riding your dinosaur. Anyway, MJ is beside me. On the other side of him is like Abigail or something. And you're like this way. And MJ freaks out. Like, and I can't reach him. And we're all strapped into this thing that's moving. We're in a room by ourselves. Like, it's like, we're going to have to ride this thing out. And I'm trying to go, MJ, you're okay. You're okay. And he's just losing it. And... 
I literally was like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And he was like, have him look at your face. So I took off my goggles. I was like, buddy, take off your goggles, look at mummy. And so even though his motorcycle thing is like moving and do all the different things, he just looked at my face. And so I'm just smiling at him. I'm going, you're okay, bud. You're okay. You know, we're in this room. You're okay. You know, just keep looking at mummy's face. Keep looking at mummy's face. And that's how we... And he calmed down, and it just looked at my face, and I just talked to him while our things are moving in all these different directions. We're okay, buddy. We're okay. Don't look at the screen. It's okay, you know. And then, you know, the ride ends. And I was just thinking about that because that's kind of what we do, you know, in situations where we're like, wow, the outside environment feels hazardous or these circumstances feel very difficult. And the trick is to get your eyes on the one who's there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not there alone. You're never there alone. Mm-hmm. And eventually, whatever these circumstances are, they end, mm-hmm. you know, and the ride ends and you can take off the, you know, little seatbelt and you're okay, mm-hmm. you know. But that was what I was thinking about when you were sharing that. It's like, it's sort of the simplest way to encapsulate how do we navigate seasons where it feels like, I know he's good and I know he's kind, but everything around me is screaming something different. It's like, oh, get get your eyes on who's in the yeah, room. Look with in his you. face. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my thought. Beautiful thought, baby. I am looking forward to doing that ride again uh without a screaming three and a half year old. Well, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so there you go. There's some thoughts about the kindness of God. I, I would encourage you, if this has challenged you, is offensive to you, if if your first response to this message is objection you are ripe for an upgrade in your thinking about how God feels about your life. Yeah, for sure. Like if your very first thought is all objections, congratulations, God's just set the landscape for the specific areas that he would love to be offensive to you in his goodness. Yeah. Because uh, it's utterly glorious. The goodness and the kindness of God, there's no toxic limits to it. Yeah. Okay. Let me pivot slightly. Okay. And I want to read you a question that I got. Am I answering the question? Well, I think we're both going to answer this okay. question. But okay. it's, it's not a technical question this time. No, no. This time okay. it's not about securing your internet. Okay, good. Yeah. This is a wonderful question. All right. Which I kind of wanted to keep for the uh, the Boundary Summer School. And, you know, maybe I'll post it in the Boundary Summer School forum so that we, you know, because it's such a common question. Are you okay. ready for this? I think so. All right. How do you handle a situation where people you care about have been hurt by leadership. This could be leadership at work, leadership in church, any of those things, but mm-hmm. leadership. Who you also care about, and both of them aren't talking. So a person's been hurt, right, and they're not talking to leadership about it. Presumably leadership doesn't know about it, and they're not talking to it, because any good leaders would go talk to the person. I almost always have encouraged the victim to talk to leadership, and sometimes they have, and it didn't help, or they haven't, or won't. Usually, I've only heard the side of the victim and not the leadership. However, when these situations come up, usually it seems I've only had more relationship with the leadership. So it doesn't feel like it's a simple, let me just ask them about it. Because I also don't want to step into something that's not also my business. But if what the person says is true, it would warrant a conversation as it could really affect relationship with myself and other people. So what this person's saying is, hey, when this person comes and brings me a complaint about leadership, sometimes I've had r- relationship with the leadership, but I don't really want to go and present their case. You know, no, like, of course not. Right? Yeah. 
But what if what they just said is true and these leaders are those things? That could affect me or others. So you can already feel the tension, right? Yeah. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, we released this episode about living in tension peace. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is a great question to unpack a little bit. How do you walk a line of staying out of things and or holding leadership accountable? I typically lean toward being a savior. So I'm aware I don't want to do that. But I also feel this desire to hear the leadership side to make sure rumors aren't being spread while also holding them accountable if it's true. I love this question. My heart is to love my friend or co-worker or whoever it is. Love them really well while also honoring my leadership. If my friend slash co-worker can't let it go, then that's their business. But I also feel like if it's true, I want to care for my leader's heart and make sure I'm holding them accountable by either helping them understand how they're being experienced or giving them an opportunity to repent. Having been a leader, I would want to be given grace, but I also want to be held accountable. AJ Jones, let's put on our Wellington boots and let's wade into what I call this dysfunction soup. There's so much in there. I mean, first of all, the the person who's asking the question is saying, hey, I don't want to be the third person in this thing and that that would be something we would say like you don't want a triangle you don't you don't ever want to be the person in the midst that's trying to sort that out well before we even get to that Mm -hmm. what you can really hear in this person's question anonymous question is their heart yes oh my god they've got a heart of a peacemaker i love their heart their heart is they've got people who are in pain and i don't want them to be in pain and actually the people who cause them pain don't even know about it and also what if what they're saying is really true i don't want them causing more pain and actually what if you mean you can feel the you can feel all the feelings there and so it's a beautiful important question to ask and what you were saying about you yeah. don't ever want to be in why don't you ever want to be in that position well it's why don't you i, I don't think it's going to be healthy for anybody i mean if if you step in and have the conversation instead of that person they don't actually the the victim of of this scenario doesn't end up actually ever learning any good life skills you know they're just going to carry around all of their Wounding and bitterness never learn to resolve anything, which is just, I mean, it's no way to live. Mm-hmm. You've just picked up an offense. Yes. Because now you're now you're fighting somebody else's battle. Yeah. With somebody, without all the information, all you've got is secondhand information. Yeah. Dave Ramsey puts it this way. Dave Ramsey has a zero tolerance policy at his work for what he calls gossip. Now, mm-hmm. as soon as you say gossip, you think we know what we mean. But what he is describing is this question right here. Right. And he said, it's entirely unfair it's unfair to the person with the problem because, you know, this person's, let's say I come to you, uh, Chris is in the office, so let's set up a triangle right now, right? Okay. Let's say I come to you and let's say Chris is our boss. Okay. And I come to you yeah. and say, I'm really hurt and upset because Chris is a leader and he's this and he's that and he never gives me what I need and he never answers my emails. He never does this, right? Mm-hmm. That is unfair to everybody. Yes. Right? What I've just done is unfair to you yeah. because you're not Chris and you can't fix it. No, but you've just you're... colored Chris in my eyes as well. Because you're like, what if? I've never what? experienced yeah, Chris like now, that. Now what if I need he is to be like cautious that? about Chris. Right? It's not fair to me because I don't have my problem solved. Yeah. And it's not fair to Chris because he doesn't know that I've got this problem and right. he can't fix it. Right. So we call that a triangle, mm-hmm. triangling. Mm-hmm. And this poor anonymous has been sucked into the vortex of that triangle of like, but maybe I can help. And... You, the only way you can help is to go back to your response should be 
Alan, are you telling me this because you need help working out how best to confront Chris? Mm -hmm. No, I'm just telling you because like Chris won't even listen anyway. The only thing you can do is like, I can see that you're in pain, but I can't be the person to help you end the pain. Yeah. And you need to go speak to Chris. Yeah. And if you'd like help, you know, in knowing what to say, I can do that. But I'm not just going to sit here and talk about Chris. And then, the, so Dave Ramsey talks about how this is unfair to everybody involved in the cycle. Yes. And that's one of the things we try and encourage everybody, mm-hmm. right? There is no easy way out of that thing. And so Anonymous, you're there and I love your heart, but you are dangerously close to it, enmeshment, codependency and entanglement because you can't help this person. We've been on the receiving end, as leaders, we've been on the receiving end of well-meaning other leaders coming Mm-hmm. Imagine I come to you and go, hey, babe, Chris spoke to me earlier and he's really upset with you. And I just want to let you know that, like as a good Christian. But Oh, but Chris doesn't know I've come to you. And actually, Chris would be really upset. He'd be really upset. If yeah. he knew, right? Yeah. Or maybe even worse, I come to you and go, somebody, AJ's come to me and they're not happy with you as a leader. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Who? I can't tell you that because that would... That would be disclosing. Right. Well, now nobody can be helped. Right. And because me as a leader, if I know that I've hurt someone or I know that there's some sort of offense out there, I want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I want to see what I can own, where I can apologize, like because I want to be as much as possible restored to all men. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so, yeah, those kind of situations and they have come up before they're so frustrating because then all i know is there's somebody with some sort of offense out there that doesn't want to talk to me about it so how can i help them how how can i help but then you just have the residue of great i've hurt someone somehow which one of you is upset (laughs) right which is just not helpful either right you know so it's so tricky i think I, i was talking to somebody about two weeks ago and they were saying Hey, um, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something, but I don't know if it's gossip. And I said, well, let's stop for a second. Uh, Am I somebody who can help you with the situation, i.e. you're handing the conversation up, for lack of a better word, to help bring resolution? Or are you just wanting to talk uh, about this person without seeking any kind of resolution? Yeah. And they said, no, I'm asking you, can you help me? Different story. Right? So I'm like, well, then it isn't gossip. Mm-hmm. But it is gossip if you just want to sit there and talk about Frank or mm-hmm. Susie, um, but you're not actually looking for uh, input and you're not actually looking for restoration and you're not going to follow through on any of those things. And in which case, I, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was really interesting about Anonymous's question, they said, usually I've only heard the side of the victim. And not the leadership. And that's the problem. Scripture says one man's way seems right till another presents his case. Right. And actually, this person may be right. So let, let's assume that the victim is entirely justified. This person's now like, ah, now I have this problem with this leader, potentially, but I don't even know. Um, there's nothing to stop anonymous in this situation going to this leader going, hey, I have some concerns about this happening in the future. Like, you can only go and be present with your own fears. It's not wise to go be present with somebody else's fears. Yes. So, a beautiful question called triangling. It's really not wise. And I don't know why, Anonymous. I don't know if this is going to be helpful for you to hear. I was taken out of the trash last night, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of this phrase. 
And the phrase is, you will be ineffective in life and in ministry unless you learn to allow loved ones to suffer. And it just randomly came. I was like, that's weird, Lord. Why are you reminding me of that line? Oh. It's a line I usually <laughs> say while I'm teaching. Yeah. But I'm taking out my garbage. And so maybe I'll talk about it in the Boundaries uh, Summer School this weekend. But I'll throw it out there for you. If you want to ask a question, you can go to alanandaj.com slash ask. I have another little cute thing. Okay. Remember last week yeah. I read out something from a member? Yeah. I got another one. This is from Laura. Mm-hmm. Laura says this. This podcast is one of my favorite things to watch and listen to. I didn't realize how much more impacting it would be to see you guys talking and visually emoting. It makes sense with the brain science on learning, but I hadn't drawn that connection until after I became a member. What Laura's talking about there is our membership program. If you become a member, you can get video access to all our podcasts and a backlog of our video podcasts as well. You get discounts on our products. You get uh, priority Q&A. You can connect to us through our online forum as well. But I just thought it was so sweet in the last couple of weeks. I've got members saying, hey, I became a member. Oh, my gosh, I'm loving being able to watch the podcast. And if you would like to become a member, if you want to watch the podcast, go to alanandaj.com slash join. So good. Show notes, baby. Hey, I'll talk about the show notes in just a second, but I also got a text oh, you this did? week. Yeah, from a friend of ours. And let me just uh, let me just find this because, you know, if I thought about it. Wait, this does not feel like I'm going to end up looking good in this <laughs> no, no, text. No, you're, it's, it's all good. Just take a deep breath. Look at mummy. Look at mummy. That's creepy. <laughs> That's what I was saying to MJ on the ride. Look at mummy. Just look at mummy. Our friend Neil uh, in Scotland uh, says, AJ, further to your informal poll, as a Scot from the UK, I suck at swimming. After all, why would anyone in their right mind go swimming in the North Sea? Ask Alan in brackets. However, Pam has a wetsuit and loves a bit of cold water swimming, uh, which she is very good at and is good for your health. So uh, apparently they're divided, but he says he sucks at swimming. And uh, he's, yeah. So I just thought I'd like throw that out there just as just like desperate a, for vindication, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I think the question was, where do people go for their show notes? Not, can you give me supplementary <laughs> evidence to support your racist view that British people suck at swimming? Okay. Well, you can get the show notes. But you notes. do you. <laughs> you can get the show notes at, uh, where can you get them? Alan and uh, slash 241. We out. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.